What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Keep It at 100, the podcast in which I, Emmett Watkins Jr., also known as DJ Spun61, on all places around the internet, rank my favorite games of all time, my top 100 lists, as you uh, will be able to tell if you've been listening. Um, welcome back to this episode. This one's a little bit different today. Um, this is going to technically be episode zero. So if you go back to the beginning of this podcast, down in the podcast feed, um, episode one was actually me sorting 10% to 20% of this top 100 list. Um, and for those who weren't privy to how it was going at the time, um, the first 10%, zero to 10% of sorting was actually a special segment on a previous episode of the Players Club podcast, which is our premier, uh, video game podcast on VGU.TV. Uh, so I decided, you know, it's going to be a while before I'm done with this video finale anyway. So let me go ahead and release that segment as its own portion or as its own episode in the main feed. So you guys can listen to that in a standalone way. And I will, I'm still working on the video uh, finale that will be coming out soon. You guys will know, or I shouldn't say soon. It'll be coming out this summer. I, I feel confident in saying this summer I will be able to get it done. It's going to be a lot of work. I'm still writing the script. I'm about 20% done with the script at this point. Um, and then I have to edit these videos. And then I have to uh, I have to start shooting little interstitials in between. It's going to take a little while. Um, and this is a very this is a one man operation. I might hit up some friends to help with some of the recording uh, or filming. But yeah, this is a one man operation, so it's going to take a while. But um, I just wanted to give a little bit of context here. This is an older episode. This is back when uh, this whole podcast kind of started as a live stream originally, where I was on Twitch with the uh, little sorting tool up and I'd be talking out these selections on stream. Um, and I had music playing during that stream as well. You won't hear the music on the podcast, but um, if you hear references to music that is playing, then that is the context for that. Um, so just wanted to let you guys know um, what this episode is going to be. Uh, I'm just going to post the whole thing, not really edited much. Uh, so you guys will hear it as it originally aired, um, which isn't that long ago. It's like two months or so. So yeah, go ahead and enjoy that one so you guys can see how this thing all began. Um, but before we head out, I do want to go ahead and um, talk a little bit about this because uh, as one of the few black voices on vgu.tv i want to talk about just i don't want to be on the soapbox too long but I, I i feel like it'd be a disservice to not discuss all of the um things going on right now you know with uh, the murder of george floyd and all of the protests that have been going on all around the country um in america if you're listening outside of america uh look up look up what's happening because shit is going down out here um it's fucked up man and i i it's less that i have like a salient point to make because this is just a video games podcast is not really a place where you know if you're looking here for what to do about a situation like this then shoot just get on twitter where i'm actually talking about that stuff um i'd, I'd be glad to 
fucking put you onto some game and i've been tweeting about it very often since all this popped off so uh you can get at me on there my twitter is always in the description but today i also want to put in the description a couple of a link to a twitter thread which has a bunch of links for um for donations so you can try and get some of these protesters that have been arrested out of prison if you or not prison just out of police custody in general bail bonds and whatnot um so I'm going to be including that in the description of this episode so you guys can donate down there if you wish. Um, I don't know if you've been seeing, but it's been really rough out here for protesters where, you know, the police are are way more violent than any of the protesters are actually being, where they're, you know, very quick to use mace, use tear gas, use these rubber bullets to do damage to people. Um, they're hitting kids with mace and stuff, and they're throwing pregnant women on the ground so hard that they're you know rendered you know kind of that baby's not there anymore so like they're they're using excessive force like you know the american police force has been known to do they're just continuing to do so in these riots so um it's really hard out there uh i have not been able to i mean i haven't gone out there myself because i am still working i am an essential worker so like i have to be on the grind there but uh, I, I've been given a couple dollars here and there, and I want to give that opportunity to y'all if y'all are disgusted by this stuff as much as I am, frustrated by this stuff as much as I am. Yeah, they say vote, and you should probably vote anyway, but man, it really does feel like just putting the right name on a ballot isn't going to fix this one, it feels. So um, let's go ahead and put our money where our mouths are. Uh, and support that so i will be leaving links in the description for that you can go down there and click through and give some money to those who need it i'm over here in atlanta there's a lot of shit going on in atlanta i just saw a video of a couple yanked out of their car just because they were on their way home after curfew and it's like you know shit's rough out here man shit is completely fucked in so many ways and there's not much support from the top make me feel like i'm it's gonna change <laughs> so I, i'm feeling real helpless on that and i'm gonna go ahead and hop off now and let the rest of this episode play you guys will be hearing back from me if you want to you know i don't know if i'll talk about this too much on the players club podcast proper but um if you want to hear more updated words from me on a podcast form just listen to listen out for that next episode that will be coming soon um and i will also be on twitter as well and that's all I got for you guys. Um, I'm going to go back to work on this uh, script for the video finale um, and start editing and all that stuff. It'll take me a couple of weeks, but I will be getting that done this summer. Um, I'm going to start the work on that, try and bury myself in that so I don't have to focus quite as hard on the rest of the world. So I'm going to go ahead and do that. Y'all have a great day, great life. Be good, do good, all that shit. Um, and yeah let's uh let's let's treat each other better because once we treat each other better then the world will be better so let's make that happen donations in the description and without further ado here's episode zero of keep it at 100 see you on the video finale um greetings hello how y'all doing uh this is going to be um a special <laughs> a special situation we have here so as you guys might know uh, I've been doing that top 50 games list. I've been trying to rank an official list of my top 50 games. I've been wanting to do something like that for a while. And um, I've run into some stumbles. Um, the first list we had 
had almost 200 games. Um, and I was like, oh my God, that's crazy. And putting it in this sorter took way too long to sort. Um, we streamed for what, three, uh, almost eight hours um, total. And we only got to 40% of sorting that list. Um, but I, I brought down the barrier a little bit. Instead of putting almost 200 games in and cutting it off at 50, we kind of met in the middle. Instead of doing a top 50 games list, I've decided this is going to be a top 100 games list because that number just sounds sexier anyway. Um, so it's going to be top 100 games. And instead of starting with a list of 200, we're actually just going to flat out start with the list of 100. Um, so that way we have room to... I don't know. So we won't be here forever, basically. <laughs> if it took us seven hours to get the 40... Well, actually, I did the math. It would have probably taken close to 20 hours to get to 100% sorted. With only 100 items instead of almost 200 items, now this should take closer to 10 hours. So it's still going to take a while. It's still probably going to take multiple streams, but we'll be taking out bigger chunks of it every time. Um, and this is also being recorded as a podcast for you guys to listen to while I'm over at VGU.TV. So do feel free to go ahead and uh, hit us up there. And this sec this segment you're hearing right now is going to be on the latest episode of VGU.TV's premiere podcast, the Players Club podcast. So you guys will be hearing it there. Um, this first section, the rest of these sections, I think I've come to the conclusion that I'm just going to put the rest of them out um, on that podcast feed, but as their own standalone um, podcast. This won't be at the back end of another Players Club podcast. This will just be a thing I'm doing um, until it's all done. Um, but first, what we're going to do um, is go over. We're not really going to go over this massive list of uh of all the games in here because you guys will get really intimate with these games because they will pop up a lot in the sorting uh in the sorting because it's going to basically pit each game head to head to each other and i'll just vote on different head-to-head -head matches until we have an official ranked list of 100 games um and i know i said 50 originally but we are going with 100 um so we're you guys will get intimate with that list what i want to do is shed light on some of the games Actually, I'm going to save that for a different segment. I was going to shed light to some of the games that got that did not meet the bar for 100. Um, some of the ones I had to cut off in order to get here. Um, we'll save that for like a Twitter segment or something. Um, so, yeah, we'll I might shout some of those out on Twitter and then have that be a thing that gets eyes on this. Because I left some pretty great games off of my top uh, 100 games list. And I know some people are probably already tripping because they probably see Cannon Lynch 2 down here as one of my hundred favorite games. Uh, we'll we'll get to we'll get to justification and stuff soon. So I'm gonna go ahead and close that tab. Um, so we're gonna do the sorting finally. Um, by the way, anybody who are watching, um, if the music is overpowering my voice, if you have issues hearing me, anything of that sort, please do let me know in chat. I do have it up on my phone here. Um, but without further ado, we're gonna go ahead and get into this one. Um, got the podcast running, making sure. Yeah, that's still going. Sorry, I got to make sure the podcast is recording alongside the stream. So, yeah, I went ahead and typed in all 100 games. They're in here. Um, not as crazy as a list as it was last time, thank God. But, um, you know, it should be easier to manage, hopefully. And we'll see what the sorting looks like. We'll see. We'll worry about framing and zooming in and all that stuff soon. So without further ado, hit and start. Awesome. Your list was created. One second while we generate the battles. And here we are. You know the drill for each comparison. Choose who you like best between the two. 
Um, note hitting no opinion or I like both too frequently will lower the accuracy of your rating. Now, one thing I did in the original attempt at this was uh, for one of them early on, I hit I like both. And that's not really fair. Um, I feel like I like both is gonna is just gonna lead to some like false positives or it just won't rank the lists entirely perfectly. I have to make hard decisions. I'm gonna have to pick between these two really hardly. Um, and so without further ado, we're just gonna go ahead and start with battle one right in front of us. Um, burnout three, burnout three takedown versus life is strange. Um, eh. initially seeing that pop up, I was a little bit like, damn, that's gonna be hard. But the more I think about it, no, nah, it's not that hard. Um, Life is Strange definitely wins on this one. I absolutely love and adore Life is Strange. Um, talked about how big of an impact that had to me. Uh, you guys can go to my YouTube channel and see my let's play of almost all of that game. Um, the gameplay of uh, Episode 5 corrupted. Don't know what to tell you, but my reaction to the end of Episode 4 is pretty crazy. Um, so yeah, love Life is Strange. Got a lot of nostalgia for Burnout 3. Burnout favorite racing game of all time. Favorite racing series of all time. But the impact on my life of Life is Strange is so much bigger. So Life is Strange wins. Next one, Beats versus Warhawk. Okay, that's a pretty hard one off the bat. Um, I, For those of you who don't know, Beats is a uh, PSP game. And it was just a rhythm game. It was kind of around launch. It was only five bucks. It was real cheap. The big deal about it was that you can import your MP3 files into the game so that you could play your favorite songs uh something that you know stuff like rock band unplug was on psp couldn't do that rock band unplug you had to buy all the songs there and at me as someone who loves hip-hop and r&b a genre that's rarely ever touched by video game uh by games in general you can't really do anything with them outside of like def jam raps are and a little bit of some sing star stuff i really dug that beats was able to let me oh i can play this jamie fox song in a video game now awesome let's fucking go um i digital girl by uh jamie fox featuring drake and kanye west i i used to play that song all the time growing up in beats but warhawk it's a big one in my life as well uh launched playstation 3 multiplayer only shooter just crazy scale had you know warships and and jet planes and uh, tanks and cars and buggies and eventually they had like little hover bike things it was really cool love that game that's the first multiplayer game i really got addicted to um growing up and it came with the headset and a nice little bundle there um so i have a lot of affectionate memories for warhawk but mm, i don't know if it's outweighing my love for beats here's the thing about beats man i think the novelty of being able to play your mp3s is really the main reason why i like beats there was a single player campaign in, or there was a campaign mode in beats where you could play you know different songs that they made like songs made for the game and i really wasn't feeling them like that you know uh so i don't know if i really fuck with it on that level uh but warhawk man so many nights and days of just going hard in that game um mm, like i liked I like so much more of the package that is Warhawk compared to me really loving one specific aspect of Beats that this feels wrong, but I think it's only right if I choose Warhawk because I think when it comes down to it, I just love Warhawk. So yeah, let's get Warhawk here. Battle 3, Torchlight 2 versus Deep Rock Galactic. Um, that one's kind of hard. Uh, Torchlight 2, very... I mean, Torchlight 2 is just a Diablo clone. Um... It's very much so just click all of the enemies until they're dead. Click all of the loot. Uh, spec your spec your character to do the most damage, all that stuff. Um, I love Torchlight 2. 
ate up a lot of my time in my first year of college, which kind of regret now. Um, Deep Rock Galactic is just such a really interesting blend of so many different games. Like it has that aspect. I, I've talked about it in previous streams. You know what? We're going to act as if I didn't stream this earlier. We're just going to act as if this is just the first time anyone's hearing this. <laughs> For the sake of the podcast, we're going to just keep it that way. Um, and so I don't feel like I'm being redundant. But um, yeah, Deep Rock Galactic, it was just a... Deep Rock Galactic is Left 4 Dead mixed with Minecraft, mixed with Starship Troopers. And by that, I mean um, your dwarven miners who go into these different planets and stuff. You drill all the way down and you get into these really weird, very colorful caves. The art style in the game's great. Um, and you're really there to just mine for resources. You're here to collect certain resources, sometimes fossils. Sometimes you're here to destroy alien eggs. Doing whatever objective, while you're getting these minerals, pretty much once you mine enough of a certain mineral... That's when the objective's up, but the entire time while you're looking for these pockets of minerals and stuff and exploring the cave, you have to make sure everything's illuminated. These caves are dark and dank, and you have, you know, different classes that have different abilities that some can put torches down in the environment. Some can shoot flares that can light things way down range. Um, and then you're also trying to just maneuver it in general. So these are caves. Sometimes there's, you know, minerals up at the top of the cave. You can't really get there. Well, then you get the scout with the grappling hook who can just go up there and just hit it with his pickaxe. You get, um, you know, engineers who can shoot platforms on the walls to kind of create natural staircases. You get drillers that can drill a hole directly through one side of the cave to the other that just make a pathway for everybody. Um, different class based uh, powers and stuff. And then you got the bugs. The bugs are out here like, yo, I'm I'm. I'm going to fuck your shit up. <laughs> it's just like swarms and swarms of, like I said, these uh, Starship Troopers type insects that are coming to kill you. <laughs> and then everybody has different weapon sets and just the combat's really satisfying. Um, and everyone has to work together because you health is, yes, you regenerate health in some ways. But actually, no, you don't regenerate health in that game. In order to collect, um, what is it? In order to collect health and in order to get ammo, you have to mine for that resource in the game and then call in a supply drop that refills your health and refills your ammo. Um, and they're very, you only get like one or two of these supply drops every match. So it's very intense. Um, I love Deep Rock Galactic. The more I think about it, the more I like all of the aspects and individual ideas of Deep Rock Galactic. I just haven't played it as long or as much as I have Torchlight 2. Torchlight 2, I put in like i think 50 or so hours so i played a lot of torchlight 2 despite not beating it i haven't beat deep rock galactic either but deep rock galactic i put like 10 hours you know when i was playing that a lot i was playing it hardcore um and i just think deep rock galactic is i think it's a better game overall i think it's more interesting um and i love torchlight 2 but man my time with torchlight 2 i don't associate with like specific memories of gameplay <laughs> like specific like i could tell you why torchlight 2 is satisfying to me but like you want me to tell you like oh man i love doing that part in torchlight 2 i love doing that i love doing that i don't have those specific types of memories i just know i had a very consistent level of fun throughout where deep rock galactic i'm i'm like yo it was so cool when we did this it was so cool when we did this i think deep rock's gonna have to win which surprises me but hey it is what it is so let's let's fucking go um all right horizon zero dawn versus spider-man 2018 for battle number four ah uh, this one's gonna be difficult this one's pretty hard uh horizon zero dawn okay this is really actually this is really difficult this is like super difficult uh 
I love me some Spider-Man. Actually, we're going to do the thing we did last time. We're just going to zoom it in for the sake of the aesthetics of people watching. Um, so now the screen's a little bit bigger. The pole's a little bit bigger. This battle is really hard because Spider-Man, I love Insomniac Games. That's my favorite developer, hands down. Um, Spider-Man is one of my favorite games from them. Probably not my absolute favorite, but one of them. Um, so many, I could say a million things about Spider-Man. Um, and I'm sure everyone's heard everything there is to say about Spider-Man. But the thing about Horizon Zero Dawn, I love that game in so many ways. But the one thing that Horizon Zero Dawn doesn't have that I absolutely adore in open world games is the thing that Spider-Man has oodles and oodles and oodles of. Spider-Man has that awesome, just the way you move around the environment is so cool, so fluid, so fast, so fun. I like I could not get into a single fight in Spider-Man for hours and still be having fun just moving around the world. Horizon Zero Dawn doesn't really have that, but I think the world that you do get to traverse is more interesting than the world of Spider-Man, where, yes, the thing about Spider-Man, the only cool things about Spider-Man are the specific characters you interact with and Spider-Man himself. Where Horizon Zero Dawn, everything about how that entire world, everything about how it exists is cool. Like, yes, the Dinobots, the dinosaur creatures, how the even the lore of the world, how the war, how the world came into place, how it is, um, the origins of Alloy, the origins of all these other characters and stuff. Just like all of that is just really, really neat overall. And then when you want to talk about combat, Spider-Man, Spider-Man had really fun combat. I actually don't have too much negative to say about Spider-Man combat, but I will say it is it does the Batman Arkham thing. And it's it does it in a way where in Batman Arkham punches and strikes feel more substantial because Spider-Man is just trying to, like, protect himself where Batman's trying to break fools necks <laughs> and like trying to break bones and stuff where you feel that in those games in the Batman Arkham games where in Spider-Man it's, it's really just smack, biff, wham, like some soft punches. So it doesn't feel as substantial. And plus the amount of enemies you're taking out in, in, in Spider-Man in general, especially in those like stronghold fights, you know, you get in 100, 200 hit combos if you're really good. And it just feels like, all right, man, I'm just running through fools. Combat doesn't feel as substantial in Spider-Man where in Horizon Zero Dawn, it feels substantial. Taking down this Thunderjaw, taking down even like the, the Snap Maws and some other smaller animals feels really good. Uh, huh. So that's, that's, mm. combat I think is better in Horizon. Char I like characters in Horizon. But Spider-Man, Spider-Man had a great story too. I don't want to discount Spider-Man's stories. Spider-Man had a great story. Horizon Zero Dawn. Horizon Zero Dawn was just an interesting story. Horizon Zero Dawn took a long time to get to like the meat of it. Um, and I like that in some aspects and in other aspects. I'm like, eh, not really fucking with it. Not really fucking with it. Uh, hmm. Ah, this does not feel right. I think I might have to go Spider-Man on this one. Just for the fact that it just plays so much better. Like, ugh. Because these both of these games put me in a similar headspace when I was playing them. I was in a state of pure bliss, having nothing but complete fun the entire time I played these played these games. And they're both very similar in the fact that I just loved being I loved being in the world. In the case of Horizon Zero Dawn, I loved being in that world, where in the case of Spider-Man, I loved being Spider-Man. And it didn't matter where I was being Spider-Man. As long as I could be Spider-Man and do the Spider-Man stuff, that was cool. Where Horizon Zero Dawn, I think that world is what stands out. 
just the uniqueness of a setting like that is just so neat. Ah, fuck. The collectibles were cool in both. I'm tr- I'm really trying to critique Rise of Zero Dawn because Rise of Zero Dawn is the game where I'm like, I just don't see anything wrong with it. <laughs> like, I know people people have problems with that game. There's a, there's a subset of people a subsection of people who absolutely hate Horizon Zero Dawn think it's the most boring thing in the world. But god damn, man. I thought that game was fantastic. Spider-Man versus Horizon. I think we're gonna go Spider-Man. I think we have to go Spider-Man. I really don't like this. I really hate this. This is actually horrible. But... Ah, fuck. Just the art is... The... Mm, the art design in Horizon Zero Dawn is so gorgeous, dude. But Spider-Man just had those moments, man. I think Spider-Man has to win. Because when I think about the story, the story and gameplay in Spider-Man is just so great. Where Horizon Zero Dawn, the story is pretty good. The gameplay is outstanding. But traversal, Spider-Man has it. I'm sorry. Ugh, I just hate it. Already, battle number four, and we're already getting into multi-minute conversations. God damn it. Let's keep going. Ooh, okay. It only took us four battles to get the 1% sorted. It took us eight last time. Ooh, hell yeah, let's go. Um, Battle five, Watch Dogs 2 versus Infamous 1. Um, ooh, kind of hard, but uh, and the more I think about it, the more I have to admit. It's Watch Dogs 2 here. Um, just, I love those characters. I loved, I loved some of the story beats. I, I don't, the whole story overall, I'm not like completely like, oh man, let's fucking go. But like the care, it was cool seeing those characters do anything, and so there were some really impactful story beats in there. I like that unique mix of you're spying and you're snooping around on people, but it's from you're doing with droids. I thought that was really cool. Um, and Marcus, I always talk about Marcus. I love Marcus from Watch Dogs too. I think that's so awesome. Uh, that guy is really cool. Reminds me of me in a lot of ways. Um, Infamous one, super fun. Really enjoyed it. Frustrated me when trying to find all the blast charts at the end. Um, has a little bit of jank here and there because it it's a PS3 game. It felt like a PS2 game for a lot of parts. So um, despite how much fun I li- had with Infamous and it made me a fan of the franchise, Watch Dogs 2 gets this one hands down. Oh, fuck. Here we go. Here here we go. The direct matchups. Ratchet and Clank, A Crack in Time versus Ratchet and Clank 2016. Now, I think I'm going to change my opinion. I think I'm going to flip and flop. Um, when I was doing the top 50 game stream and before I decided to do top 100 games, um, I had the same matchup and I eventually went to Ratchet and Clank, uh, 2016 because it is a highlight reel of so many things that Ratchet and Clank has done over the years, like so many gameplay aspects and so many like set piece types and level design things, just a highlight reel of all the best stuff. Um, a crack in time isn't a highlight reel. A crack in time feels like. How do we say this? A crack in time felt like Endgame, where Ratchet and Clank 2016 felt like uh, best Marvel moments compilation on YouTube. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like where Ratchet and Clank a crack in time felt like, oh, we this is the quote unquote final send off for Ratchet and Clank, the final proper game you will ever get. Let's pull all the stops. Let's give all these unique ideas. Let's let's deliver some stuff that fans have been wanting, fans have been seeing, some really interesting Clank gameplay, get to explore a whole galaxy for the first time in the series. Um, let's really knock, knock their socks off with this one. Where Ratchet & Clank 2016 was like, 
All right, we're back. Let's dip our toe in by giving them just the highlights of what they like. Let's let's cut out all the crap. Let's cut out all the clutter. Let's not get too crazy with like unique, ambitious designs and stuff. Let's not do too much out there. Let's just give them the classic stuff, give them what they want, and let's kill it. And they did kill it. I love 2016 a whole lot. But the more I'm thinking about it, because I chose Ratchet & Clank 2016 last time and regretted it internally, um, I think I'm going to choose A Crack in Time this time because that feels more like an authored masterpiece where Ratchet & Clank 2016 was really just, let's make this game alongside the movie. Let's make it happen. If they did a remaster of Crack in Time, I'd be more excited than if they ported Ratchet and Clank 2016 high def version or whatever to PS5. So I'm going to choose Kraken Time on this one. I, I feel weird about it just a little bit, but my heart is more at ease than when I chose Ratchet and Clank 2016. So yeah, a Kraken Time, you're going to get that one. Ooh, Burnout Paradise versus Guacamelee. Um, Guacamelee, like I said, one of those games where I associate that game with the Vita so heavily because it's that game where i was addicted to playing it just just running through that game having so much fun dropped my vita in a cooler because i'm an idiot um and wasn't able to buy another one for two years or so and that was the first game i got back on like i beat that game on vita platinumed it um got almost all the trophies on a vita um just enjoyed that game so much just such great combat such great um level and platforming design just on point in that game but you get Burnout Paradise here, and Burnout Paradise is a classic. My favorite racing game of all time. I love the Burnout games. I love that gameplay style that it incorporates, I guess. Um, it's just so much fun. And just the fact that all the races, every event in the game, it wasn't closed circuit. So if you knew the world, you could like take advantage of this shortcut, this shortcut. And I never knew the world like that well to know where all the shortcuts led and everything. But I knew enough to where... When I got lucky, I was like, oh, I'm going to take this shortcut. Hopefully it takes me to where I need to go. And when it did, it was a revolution. And I loved, loved, loved stuff like that. Um, and Burnout Paradise, I platinumed that twice on two different platforms where I can't say the same about Guacamelee, despite me having the opportunity to. Um, I just let one loose and hopefully no one heard that. <laughs> I could have definitely kept that to myself if no one heard that. But hey, man. I, I'm a I'm a real one, so I will let my flaws be heard um, loudly, apparently. I think I'm going to choose Burnout Paradise on this one uh, just because, I don't know, man. Burnout Paradise is just puts me in such a great Zen mode. It puts me in a Zen mode, and it also is just super gratifying. I think that's why it puts me in Zen, because of how gratifying and fun it is. Or Guacamelee was frustrating in a lot of parts, but it was a good frustration. It's a frustration that... Why can't I get past this rather than why do I have to do this again? Which is the best type of frustration. Really quick checkpoints in Guacamelee. So it made a lot of those platforming challenges easier to stomach. But I got through them and I enjoyed it. But Burnout Paradise, I think I'm going to have to go with it. I'm sorry, man. Burnout Burnout's just that good. Burnout is just that good. Whew. Tales from the Borderlands versus Doom 2016 for battle number eight. Um... I like Tales from the Borderlands a whole lot. Uh, you know, great story by Telltale. I was really surprised how much I liked Tales from the Borderlands. Had a really engaging narrative. Really funny as well. Um, surprisingly emotional at points. I was really surprised how much I was into that game, you know. Um, but it's really good. But also Doom 2016. Ooh, fuck. Doom 2016 is just that game, bro. 
And like, I know a lot of people, everyone says the single player is great. Everyone loves the single player, blah, blah, blah. I've said the single player is kind of like if they made Ratchet and Clank a mature shooter. That's how Doom 2016 plays. I stand behind that 100%. I still feel that way. And that's why I like Doom. We just talked about Ratchet and Clank here and how much I love that. Um, but that multiplayer in Doom was awesome. And people don't talk about that enough. That multiplayer is so fun. So it's just mindless running there and shoot a lot of things, unlock stuff. And that final update they did where all the cosmetics are attached to challenges, like just gave you something to work for, which I felt that game was kind of lacking in some ways. Um, yeah, I love Doom 2016. I just, I, ooh, that game's great. But Tales from the Borderlands, just that narrative blew me the fuck away. I think I'm going to go ahead and stick with Doom 2016 here. Tales, Tales from the Borderlands will get its day in the sun. Um, but Doom 2016 just goes so much harder to me. So, yeah, we're going to go ahead and choose that. <laughs> um, battle number nine, Wolfenstein 2, the new Colossus versus Saints Row 2. Um, all right, let's let's get real. Saints Row 2, I like that game a whole lot. You know, if, if PS3 had platinum trophies at the time, if Saints Row 2 had a platinum trophy at the time, I would have platinumed it. I totally did everything in that game. Bought all the properties, got took over all the neighborhoods, did all the side missions, um, <laughs> upgraded everything to as high as they could go. Um, yeah, Saints Row 2 is really fun, but God, man, Wolfenstein 2, the new Colossus, blew me away with its narrative. And yes, there's a lot of issues that I have, not a lot of issues, there's a few issues I have with the gameplay, mainly that it's way too hard. It, it, it's so much harder than it has any right to be. It's just really punishing at times, makes you not want to play it sometimes. Um, but I really liked it. I thought Wolfenstein 2 just narratively just excellent, excellent, excellent. Had such a huge impact on me. Um, where Saints Row 2, yeah, I had a lot of fun with it, but it's just not that thing that it don't stick to your ribs, you know? It, it's like, it's a, it's something that I played for a long time, but like I only think about it when I'm really thinking about it, where the second someone says Wolfenstein 2, it's like, oh shit, let's fucking go. I love that game. So yeah, Wolfenstein 2. Wow, I just realized you guys are gonna you guys are seeing a lot of my notifications. That's bad. Alarms only. <laughs> Alright, hopefully no one on stream is gonna take advantage of that. Um anyway, uh we're gonna continue. God, I've been streaming for 27 minutes and that's been going on. God damn it. Oh well, it's fine. Nothing incriminating there. No oh my text messages didn't pop up. Thank fucking god. Oh shit. Asymmetics messages aren't that bad. It's not like they could text my social security number or like, I don't even talk shit on people. All right, anyway. Uh, Wolfenstein 2, the new Colossus, wins battle number nine against Saints Row 2. Hands down. Just that narrative's too great. Mm, oh. Steamworld Dig 2 versus Shadow Warrior 2 for battle number 10. Um, hmm. This one's a little challenging. Ma mainly because... All right, let's let's break down why these why these two games are great. Steam World Dig Two, um, side scroller uh, platformer, but it really has a lot. It's like Minecraft mixed with Metroid, but as a platformer, which is to say that you know you're you're mining for resources in Steam World Dig Two, and then you bring those up for gold. You spend the gold on, or you 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 sell things for money. You spend the money on upgrades, and then the more upgrades you get, the easier it is to traverse the mine. The easier it is to, you know, get to different areas. Sometimes you can't jump high enough or shoot far enough or do all these things. You get like grappling hooks, you get hook shots, you get 
uh, a fucking jetpack at some point. Um, there's a lot of cool stuff in SteamWorld Dig 2 that just made that one of my favorite games on the Vita. That's another game I played almost exclusively on the Vita. Um, that one's great. But Shadow Warrior 2. Shadow Warrior 2 does everything. These loot games, like your Borderlands, your Divisions, like all these types of games, they need to take so many more lessons from Shadow Warrior 2 because that game does everything I want with a looter shooter. It does everything correctly and perfectly in my eyes at least in my eyes where um i was just so flabbergasted by how it solves that problem that you get with especially borderlands but even some stuff like division as well where borderlands like oh we have a million guns blah 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 we have all these weapons but then none of them really feel that special and then you have okay you got a you got a billion guns well a good 50 million or a good 50 percent of that one billion guns is trash that no one wants and then only some are pretty good some are great and then that you get like that maybe one million at the top that are like you know god tier um shadow warrior 2 did not have that problem it lowered that loot pool of weapons there's maybe only a couple dozen weapons in the whole game maybe 50 at most but they still have that loot drop thing where it's not about finding the weapons it's about finding socketable gems to put into your weapons to give them different effects so oh this one changes up fire rate this one increases damage this one you know you got a single shot rifle this turns into a two shot rifle this one adds elemental damage fire damage corrosive ice all this other stuff it has so many different attributes to put onto your guns and you can swap them on the fly at any time upgrade them you know take different gems and crush them down to make a different gem that's even more powerful you know stuff like that uh just so many different ways you could upgrade yourself in shadow warrior 2 um and plus it, it had that smaller roster of weapons so it lets you get more intimate with each weapon and actually learn how they play and all that stuff so that you know you're actually making attached you're actually becoming attached to your weapons which is something that something that borderlands doesn't really have um but narratively both of these games are kind of whatever um like then Air of Steam World Dig 2 is pretty cool in the way that it speaks back to Steam World Dig 1. And Shadow Warrior 2 is just a completely silly, comedic, it's just a farce as far as narrative is concerned. Um, I, I, I'm indifferent on the narrative of both of these two, but the gameplay and upgrading systems of Shadow Warrior 2, and forget the upgrading systems of Shadow Warrior 2, it's just really cool to... It's just fun to play. Like, if there was no upgrading at all, Shadow Warrior 2 would still be in this top 100 list. It's just really satisfying to chop these people up with swords, with shotguns, grenade launchers, flamethrowers, chain guns, pistols, all types of random weapons. It's just a really wide array of weapons, and combat is chunky, because it's a very graphic game, very gory. Enemies will blow up into millions of pieces you can slop you can slice off individual limbs with the with the swords and the melee weapons and stuff it's really graphic but as someone who's not even particularly a fan of hyper violence that violence kind of makes the combat feel a little bit better because you get a very instant and very extreme reaction to all of the uh gunshots you're doing or all the blade swings you're making um it just makes for a really satisfying game um, so I'm just going to go ahead and choose Shadow Warrior 2 here. Um, Steam World Dig 2, I really enjoyed, but Shadow Warrior 2, man. You can't you can't deny that combat. You can't deny that upgrade system. Uh, Call of Duty World War 2 versus Astrobot Rescue Mission for battle number 11. Um, mm, 
All right. The the biggest flaw with Call of Duty World War Two is that its single player campaign was boring. And I remember calling it trash previously on the on the prior stream and podcast uh, that I had recorded. Um, but I don't even want to say the the single player is trash. It's not like a horrible single player campaign. It's just so boring. And it just holds your hand and says, oh, stand here for this set piece, stand here for this moment, be here for the sniper shot. It, it just doesn't really give you, it just holds your hand so much more strictly than a lot of the more recent Call of Duty campaigns. And it just turned me off. But that multiplayer was so well done. Um, sure, the divisions and everything with kind of making the creative class system of Call of Duty even more rigid and more strict about, you know, what classes are which. Um, that was like not bad. It just was there. But really what I loved about that multiplayer was it was just really satisfying to play. First off, all Call of Duty games are satisfying to play, but the balance on this one felt really good for some reason. Um, it felt standardized in a way where I really liked. I don't know what it is about the gameplay specifically to World War II and also Advanced Warfare had really good multiplayer combat, um, but it was good in that one. And also just the way they handled uh, unlocks and stuff where um, like all these games have loot boxes now. The way Call of Duty World War II did it is that they have these different challenges you can go for. You choose a challenge and it gives you straight up just a loot box every time you complete a challenge. Or in some cases, if they add a new weapon to the game, it just gives you that weapon if you just beat the challenge. Um, so I love that. I love that so much. Uh, I thought it was really fair and it made me keep coming back very often. This is one of the World War II is probably the Call of Duty game I came back to the most after release. Like I would play that two years after the fact just to get some more of that, uh, some more of that gameplay from the multiplayer. Um, so yeah, World War II is really good. Astrobot Rescue Mission, no. Astrobot is gonna win. Astrobot is gonna win this battle because it just blew me away. There's just the things they do with mechanics in that game, perspective, just some really creative ideas from gameplay, from art design, from just different encounters it just makes you think out whoever they made this game and you could clearly see how much fun they had thinking outside of the box to create some of the stuff in that game um stuff that's even hard for me to describe on audio um it, that game's just so so impressive and for all of the good things about world war ii's multiplayer astrobot rescue mission is just phenomenal definitely deserves a, a higher tier spot than we're gonna act like my mic didn't just fall over um that's a little dangerous um but yeah uh totally awesome make sure that podcast still going all right we're still good um yeah astrobot rescue mission hands down gotta win for this battle um battle number 12 we have bioshock 2 versus call of duty modern warfare 3 hmm this one's a little bit difficult mm, i i say that's a little bit difficult but i'm Nah, it's Bioshock 2. I, I can't even deny it. Bioshock 2, well, because Bioshock 2 is going to win, let's talk about Call of Duty 3 first, Modern Warfare 3 specifically. Um, It's just fun, man. That's another multiplayer where this before loot boxes, so of course everything in the game was unlocked um, rather than, you know, purchasable. Um, So of course that part was fun, but just the combat of Modern Warfare 3 where it had that, there's a there's a thing, there's a je ne sais quoi about Modern Warfare 2 that everyone loves where it's just in damn near instant time to kill all the time the way that they balanced everything was by making everything overpowered so <laughs> you couldn't really complain and even then some things rose to the top you know one man army new tubes uh what model 1887s before they got patched stuff like that 
that game was really fun and it but the it, modern warfare 3 they took that same like thought behind its design and kind of flattened everything out so things aren't it's not everything's overpowered it's everything's brought down like instead of guns killing in like two hits how about three <laughs> how about instead of dying in one burst to an s to a uh, three burst gun how about a burst and one bullet <laughs> is what you need to die um it, it was a little bit more fair is what i'm saying um and just a little bit more tactical in how uh, the creative class system was created and all that stuff and even the narrative single player campaign um was really fun i, I really enjoyed that single player campaign very gratifying ending uh i i'm i don't want to spoil it too much but you know, the stuff you do with Captain Price at the very end of that game is just fucking badass, and I love that so much. Um, so yeah, Modern Warfare 3 is up there for me, but Bioshock 2 takes the cake. Bioshock 2 is just just that combination of just I just love the upgrade systems, the dual wielding, proper dual wielding, unlike uh the original Bioshock. And I, I know that story I don't think about too much. Whenever I play that game, I'm reminded, oh, this story is actually pretty cool, pretty neat. I'm um, pretty interesting. Goes some some pretty interesting places. Um, but just that gameplay loop of playing as the big daddy, you know, have the little sister on your shoulder and you go find bodies on the floor to suck at them from. And then before you put her down, you can set up, you know, put down all your your vortex traps, put down all your electric traps, put down just set up the whole room. So you can get ready for this fight and then just letting them go and then just trying to protect them all. Oh, man, that gameplay loop is so fun and satisfying to me where nothing in Modern Warfare 3 is really coming close to that gameplay loop. Um, So, yeah, Bioshock 2 is going to get it. Ooh, Assassin's Creed Origins versus Sunset Overdrive. God damn. Oh, shit. Um, Yeah, damn, this is really hard. Sunset Overdrive. I say so much positive stuff about Sunset Overdrive. And I don't talk about Origins positively enough. Not to say that I trash it, but I just don't talk about Origins enough, I feel, to illustrate how hard of a choice this is. Sunset Overdrive. Absolutely love that game. It was just kind of a revolution for me. Like I like I love Insomniac games. I love games with, you know, crazy movement systems. Um, some really good upgrades, really crazy weapons. Uh, Sunset Overdrive had all of that and more. And by and more, I mean characters were silly over the top, all that stuff. Narrative was silly over the top, all that stuff. But it's just the tone of that game. That punk rock, silly, crazy, fuck everything because we're badass attitude of Sunset Overdrive. I love that so much in video games. I think that is awesome. Um... And just the the way they break the fourth wall. I, I said it before and I'll say it again. Sunset Overdrive is the closest thing video games has to adult Looney Tunes. Like, it's that type of silliness and zaniness. I just loved it. Um, where Assassin's Creed Origins, it's one of those games where the exploration is really why I love that game. And like, I, I still think about going back to Origins every now and then just to boot it up and be like, yo. Because I didn't, I bro, I have a good 40% maybe 30% of that map left left to explore. Um, and even a bigger percentage of like specific locations. Um, there's like a couple sections on the map I haven't checked out at all. Like I could really play some more Origins right now. I just don't because I know that could easily take up 100 hours of my life. Um, and I bought the DLC for it that I've never played. So there's just so much more reason. There's so many reasons to go to Origins. 
Um, but like, I like the character of Bayek. I think Bayek is such a cool character. I like him a lot. Um, and his wife, I think Anya, um, hopefully I'm not saying that name wrong. Um, or hopefully I'm saying the right name in general. Um, but I just like the characters. I like the fact that it took place in Egypt. Um, we never get games. We get so few games about black characters to have one that takes place dead ass in Africa where damn near everybody's black. Like, bro, that's awesome. That's just really cool to me. I will never... I'll never forget how awesome it was to just have a game like that. Just amazing. Um, hmm. This is really hard between Sunset Overdrive and Origins. Well, Origins just Origins isn't Origins is one of those games where you're playing it and you're not thinking about how incredible it is while you're playing it, but you think back to it and you're like, damn, it really was awesome going through those pyramids and figuring out those puzzles and climbing through these ruins and all these other things that really was awesome that i think about it where sunset overdrive i remember playing that game and being like what the fuck is going on this is cool like i don't know if it's because sunset overdrive gave you time to breathe and think like that actually out of these games origins gave you more time to breathe and reflect because there's a lot of empty space and just walking around and stuff which i i appreciate it it was still fun wasn't so bad that you know i had an issue with it clearly it's on this list um sunset overdrive just the the zaniness the creativity just the bombasticness of sunset overdrive i love and respect so much to where i guess the thing i could critique about origins is that i like the characters the narrative itself was like eh to me for most of it so like not to say it was bad it's just like that's not why i'm playing this game like side quests and side missions were more of a more of note to me um damn i'm really starting to feel like i'm convincing myself to vote for origins when initially it was me saying i'm gonna vote for sunset overdrive and i hope origins doesn't feel bad um like it was a guilty i was voting for sunset but i was gonna have a lot of guilt in my heart now i'm thinking i might vote for origins i really don't fucking know i think i'm gonna vote i gotta do sunset uh because from an art design standpoint alone Sunset blows me away every time I look at a screenshot, look at an image. Some of my screenshots are just gorgeous, beautiful, just so vibrant. So that's something that Assassin's Creed Origins does not have for as cool as that game looks. And I love its aesthetic of Egypt and all that stuff. Sunset Overdrive, it go hard. So, yeah, we're going to hit Sunset Overdrive. Oh, Fallout 3 versus Assassin's Creed 2. Huh. You know what? This isn't that hard. Fallout 3 is going to get this one. Um, I'll say Assassin's Creed 2. Love that game. Uh, fun combat. Interesting story. Um, I wasn't one of those that was like held up on every little thing that happened to Ezio. But I, I had fun playing it. Really, I like Assassin's Creed 2 for those times you get trapped in like those underground tombs and you had to climb your way out and there was no combat. It was just, hey, figure out how to climb out of here. Like I love stuff like that. So I really like those parts of Assassin's Creed 2 over everything. And plus the little city that you build um you get like different aspects of the city it makes money for you while you're gone you come back to your i think it's called a villa um love that stuff in Assassin's Creed 2 fallout 3 though some great side quests some awesome weapons um even though it kind of sucked as a shooter gameplay wise um some some really cool aspects the aesthetic of that world was just really neat so many cool characters so many impactful characters um there's a lot of reasons to like fallout 3 um so yeah i enjoy fallout 3 
so much more. Plus the exploration of Fallout 3, nothing in Assassin's Creed 2 can get anywhere near to the feeling of finding a new vault and being like, oh, what's this? And when you come back to the original vault that you got out of at the beginning of the game and how everything's changed in there, oh my God, that is just incredible. For moments like that, Fallout 3 has to take it. it you think about um, Tranquility Lane, that whole thing, Liberty Prime at the end of the game, bro. Fallout 3 gets it. I'm sorry, dude. Uncharted 2, Among Thieves, versus Uncharted 4, A Thief's End for battle number 15. Huh. Interesting. Uh, Uncharted 2 versus Uncharted 4, A Thief's End. I... I like the clo- I like the narrative closure we got in the Thief's End. I like hmm. I like the clock tower set piece in, in Uncharted 4. And even some of the truck stuff. That whole set piece, that extended action sequence was was really pretty cool. Um, but Uncharted 2, man. I replayed Uncharted 2 not too long ago, I think maybe two years ago or so. It reminded me of why it's a classic. Just so many cool moments, so many cool characters, so many cool things in that game overall. It's just Uncharted 2 hits, man. In a way where Uncharted 4 felt like it was getting long in the tooth by the end. Like, there was a good, I think maybe, like, 45 to an hour, 45 minutes to an hour before the final fight. I was like, yo, this game still going? Like, we still we still here? Like, where I never felt that in Uncharted 2. Um, both times I played it, I was just full of wonder the entire time. And every time it's like, oh, there's something else. And the stakes get raised. It's like, all right, let's fucking go. In a way where I didn't feel like that in Uncharted 4. So, yeah. We're going to click Uncharted 2 Among Thieves here. Whew, that felt a little weird, but it's fine. Ho! Oh, battle number 16. Shadow of the Colossus versus Titanfall 2. <clears throat> God damn. Uh, that was a weird sound, sorry. Um, for battle 16... I'm gonna have to go. I think I had this. I think I actually had this exact same battle last time we had streamed, um, or recorded the podcast. You know, you know what I mean. Um, I'm gonna go ahead and pick Titanfall Two. Well, mm, mainly, God, Shadow Colossus is just so cool. How you? I think the fun of Shadow Colossus is figuring out how to complete it, where the fun of Titanfall Two is the same thing. Actually, figuring out. Shadow of the Colossus is how do how do I know there is one way for me to accomplish my goal? How do I accomplish my goal? Where Titanfall 2 is, I know there are multiple ways to accomplish my goal. How do I want to accomplish my goal? Where, you know, just combat scenarios you can use. All the weapons are damn near equally viable. Um, some require a little bit more skill, which is why they exist. But the movement system, every every moment of Titanfall 2 is fun because of that movement system. For Shadow of Colossus, yes, it's fun taking out those, uh, taking down the Colossus, but like, it's not necessarily fun to find them. It's not necessarily fun to, you know. There at there are there are some slow points of Shadow of Colossus where I can nick it. Where Titanfall Two, like, I I mean I already talk about I play that game all the time. I literally just played that game. I played like a couple matches the other night, and it was just exhilarating. And it's just so much fun to just fucking go ham on people double jumping in the air and just running along walls and just popping caps and dudes like that game's still so great that game is still fantastic i have to vote for titanfall 2 i'm sorry titanfall 2 overshadow colossus um 
people might feel some type of way, but if you do, that's just because you play Titanfall 2. So I'm going to select that. Battle number 17, Near Automata versus Rise of the Tomb Raider. Uh, this one's easy. Rise of the Tomb Raider, you know, great set pieces, just beautiful graphically, um, awesome combat and stealth mixtures, and just really cool environments. A lot to love about Rise of the Tomb Raider. Near Automata is where it's at, though. Um, Near Automata for all of the kind of barren environments and for all of the ways in which it just from a from the level design doesn't stand out that much but just certain encounters and set pieces in Nier Automata blew me the fuck away character wise so many really strong characters in Nier Automata I still think about to this day and it just fucks with your head in a way that Rise of the Tomb Raider was never even trying to um yeah Nier Automata is just an achievement in storytelling an achievement just in cool shit <laughs> so yeah Nier Automata is definitely going to get the vote for this one so i'm going to vote for Nier Automata over the rise of the tomb raider uh ooh. oh wait no this isn't hard battle 18 is borderlands versus the last of us um yeah this ain't hard at all dude um i love me some borderlands uh but the last of us <laughs> the last of us is the last of us like narrative is awesome replayed that recently as well on ps4 that combat is people really sleep on that combat but yeah the combat's just excellent multiplayer too dude like last of us i really think i i still think i want to platinum that before last of us part two comes out which is just going to take a lot of multiplayer grinding but yeah last of us is just fucking excellent borderlands one it's a fun looter shooter um it's pretty solid that that story is damn near non-existent or at least in my head but yeah comp just there's fun stuff about borderlands but Everything that's fun about Borderlands is pretty mid, if you ask me. So yeah, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna say Last of Us wins this hands down. Um, battle number nineteen, Tearaway versus Gone Home. Um, ooh, ooh, this one's low key hard. Um, now people know I love Gone Home, that that very quiet, contemplative experience. Uh, you, was only available on PC, but I picked that up on ps4 thanks to playstation plus it is coming out on consoles but uh tearaway's just huh here's the thing man i really gotta think of it like this <laughs> gone home sorry if i keep like blowing wind out of my nose and stuff because i i got like something in my nasal way like i feel something from like that tube that connects your nose to your mouth where like you like you can like breathe and stuff um there's something in there. I don't know if I have a cold and there's phlegm or something, but there's something in there and I feel it and I'm just trying to keep it at bay. <laughs> so apologies. But in any case, for Gone Home and Tearaway, Gone Home, one of those games where I was told to just play it sight unseen. Don't look into it. Don't read anything about it. Just play it. And I did, per Greg Miller's recommendation. Shout out to Kind of Funny. Um, and it was surprising to see the type of game it was at the end. But I think because of that, for the first parts, I didn't really know what I was in for. Where I was like, oh shit, I'm scared. Oh man, what's around the corner? Like, it, there was a lot of anxiety, not anxiety, but just like what the fuckness that was going on throughout Gone Home. Where Tearaway, I had no reason to expect Tearaway was anything but a great Media Molecule game. And Media Molecule, the guys behind Little Big Planet make a lot of these cute games, make a lot of these little adorable, you know, 
just just cute porn. <laughs> Ooh, I maybe shouldn't say that. That could insinuate some shit. But just some really adorable stuff in Tearaway. Um and it just got it captivated me because I cared so much about that that main character, Atwa slash Iota. Um just I cared so much for a character that didn't even speak. Um it, it just so expressive, so emotive. And then I, I was just there emotionally through the ups and downs of 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 their journey. Oh man. And just and just all the stuff where they put your camera in there. It felt like I was like going on an adventure with a friend where where I've never had that I've never had that vibe, that thing go on in a game for me. Tearaway's gonna have to win. I'm sorry. Gone home, I respect and love you. Tearaway wins here pretty easily too, now that I'm thinking about it. Ooh. <laughs> I knew this match was gonna happen. I knew this exact thing was gonna happen, and I know what the outcome's about to be. Um battle number twenty, Far Cry three versus Resistance Three. Gosh darn it. Um I've said my piece about Resistance Three. It, it it finally takes that insomniacness of their games and puts them into the Resistance series. gives you gives you a weapon wheel, gives you weapons that upgrade as you use them, um, just over time, um, passively. And Resistance Three is just artistically just great. Gameplay gameplay is just great. The the gun combat is like the most satisfying it's ever been in a Resistance game. Um, and just some really cool environments you go to, and the the journey is really fun. Far Cry 3 was in my top 10 for a long time. Um, it just blew me away because I didn't know, oh man, it's this open, it was just so addictive, the open world, um, just all the abilities you eventually got, all the the guns and the ways you can customize your weapons and the, the way of like, they had upgrades for your resources to upgrade stuff, like the fact you want to hold more money, all right, kill some animals and make a make a wallet. <laughs> like just that type of gameplay design that forces you to really get in there deep with all of its gameplay systems. I was just a sucker for that, and I ate it up. Far Cry Three was just wonderful, 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 a hundred percent for me. Whereas this is three was like, oh, that was pretty great. I I really enjoyed that. But like the enthusiasm I had with Far Cry Three is so much more than that. Um, so yeah, Far Cry Three is gonna have to win this one. Um, and you know, I, I, I went through, I, I still want to go back one day and play the, uh, get the platinum in resistance three where far cry three, bro. I, I went through hell and high water just to get that platinum, which is actually pretty easy until you get to the, you know, the co-op missions that you have to play through in it, in their entirety. Um, which I think some of those missions were exclusive to PS3. So like I was just screwed if I didn't play them. Um, shout out to my little brother for holding that controller <laughs> while I just ran through the mission pretty much on my own. So yeah, Far Cry 3 wins. Ah, Battle 21. God of War 2018 versus Red Dead Redemption. Now, uh, I did feel weird about putting Red Dead Redemption 1. This is just Red Dead Redemption 1 over God of War 2018 originally, because that's what I did on the last stream. Um... The more I think about it, the more I don't regret it. <laughs> where Red Dead Redemption 1 just blew me away in a lot of ways. Where God of War, literally when God of War came out, that God of War I wasn't even planning on buying at launch. But of course the reviews came out a few days before. And I was like, shit, I got to pre-order this thing. And I did. Played alongside everyone else. But just the discourse on God of War was fucked from the beginning. It, for me. For me. Where by the time I played God of War, it wasn't just... 
people in the industry, you know, people, reviewers and people on podcasts. It wasn't just them saying, oh, this game is fantastic. It was my friends. It was like personal buddies of mine hitting me up and being like, yo, you got to fucking play God of War. Oh, my God. Are you playing God of War? Right. Oh, dude, it's oh, my God. And I was like, all right, y'all are talking this up like it's the greatest thing in the fucking world. And when I played it, it was really fun. It was really good. But I think what a lot of opinions on that game don't factor in is, yeah, God of War 2018 is a great game. People are acting like it's better than God of War 3. Now, it's probably just as good as God of War 3. Um, I like God of War 3 more, to be completely honest with you. But, like, a lot of people didn't like those old God of War games. God of War 1, 2, 3, Ascension as well. Um, Even the PSP ones, Ghost of Sparta and Chains of Olympus. Um, A lot of critiques on those. And they're fair critiques, but overall, I just like those games. I, like, I, I enjoyed all of them. That's why I played all of them. But when you get to God of War 2018, there's nothing about that game. Yes, narrative is, you know, so much deeper narrative now. Um, dialogue is so well written. Great performances. All that stuff brings it up. But for me, you want to talk about just gameplay-wise? <laughs> Not, nothing gameplay-wise about God of War 2018 is tickling my loins more than God of War 3. Like, and by the time God of War 2018 came out, it was doing a lot of similar things that other games of it were doing, you know, with its upgrade systems and skill trees and stuff. It just, it just 2018 it, it just brought it up to current standards, um, in a way that I respect, but it just didn't have as much of an impact on me as it had for a lot of people. Red Dead, Red Dead Redemption 1 is just like first game I ever bought with my own money or first game I ever bought at launch. I'm sure there's other games I bought, but. That's the game where I was like, yo, I got $60 and it comes out next week. Fuck, I can do this. And then I bought it and just couldn't believe what I was missing out on. Um, first Rockstar game I ever beat as well. I had the patience for it, surprisingly. Um, and it's just fun. Just fun. Played a lot at multiplayer too. Um, and Undead Nightmare, all that stuff. So yeah, Red Dead Redemption 1 wins this one. Battle number 22, Dante's Inferno versus Metro Last Light. Hmm. <clears throat> Oh, this one, this one's a little iffy. Um, both of these games, these are like mid-tier games for me. Um, but mm, this is gonna be hard. Dante's Inferno. I like that one mainly. Oh God, let me not mess with my beard, cause like I'm gonna mess around and like hurt myself. Ah, okay, separated those two hairs. That's all I wanted. Uh maybe I shouldn't be picking at this shit so much. Anyway. Dante's Inferno I like mainly because it's very impressive for what it is. It's running on PlayStation 3, so last generation hardware, 60 frames per second, and just gore like just artistically is very, very pretty, very, very striking visuals. Um, not in like that painterly aspect from God of War 3, because that was fucking no one e- I still don't know how they even made that game. God of War 3 is just so beautiful to me. Um But Dante's Inferno, it's a it's a God of War like. It's very similar to those games. Um, but it's just fun, man. It's just really solid combat, really interesting uh, character and world design where, the, you know, the, it's Dante's Inferno. So, you know, seven circles of hell, um, just the ways they implement that are not always the most tasteful and are sometimes juvenile and stuff. But I just I, I just think it's still creative. I think just the way that game was made was just very creative. Um it's an EA ass game. It is a very EA vacation of the God of War 
gameplay style and everything to the point where at the end of the game there's just the end of the game is basically just combat challenges that really don't even hide what they are but it's still fun um and i enjoy it um i just enjoy that game a lot where metro last light metro last light i i enjoyed a lot as well it was my first metro game it was my first metro game and it was my first time ever playing something that was that committed to immersion that game was just like all about like we want to make you feel like you're actually in the metro let's wipe your you're wiping your mask just to know that there's actually glass in your face you're always hearing the breathing of uh archium the the player character um you're always what else you, you have to look at your watch to see like how much more air you have in the filter that you're currently breathing through um and all these other aspects of the game just really made you committed like using your bullets for currency in some cases um to buy items and and weapons and stuff i i thought that was just awesome and the fact that it would pay attention to like what enemies you kill and what you've done to like decide if you're going to get a good or bad ending i thought all that stuff was really 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 cool really well done and it made me a fan of metro cuz after i played last light i went back played 2033 and thought it was awesome so I, I've just been a big fan of that. And there's actually another Metro game on this list, which you will see. Um, so, yeah, Metro, I'm definitely going to vote for here. Metro Last Light over Dante's Inferno, um, just because that blew me away so much more back in the day. Hmm. Gears 5 versus Bastion. Now, I like Bastion a lot. This is battle number 23. I like Bastion a lot. Played that primarily on Vita as well. Combat, just great. Just great upgrade. Uh great upgrade paths progression and everything um intriguing story i don't want to say it's a great story not that i think it is objectively bad i just didn't find it that you know oh shit what but it was like a story that definitely held my interest the entire time had a lot of interesting aspects and stuff it just didn't really blow me away in any way um and just the gameplay is really what i remember about this game like it was just really fun to play really fast fluid combat um, just, you know, dodge rolling as uh, as the kid in that game was super, super fun, uh, super challenging at times. But, you know, I still had fun with it. Um, and then I finally beat the narrative years after starting it the first time. But, um, yeah, I, I, I enjoyed my time with Bastion in a way where Gears 5, though, Gears 5 is just I feel like Gears 5 is a masterpiece in so many respects um graphically of course is wonderful uh, i played a lot of it on pc so i'm a little bit biased but even on xbox one x um 4k at 60 frames per second never see games pull that off usually so i thought that was awesome um so yeah gears 5 was totally 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 really good for me um and then the combat gears of war combat's just great on its own anyway uh and characters were great some really important things happen to the characters. Uh, this is the most engaged I've been in a Gears of War narrative in the entire series where, you know, there's other Gears games that you will see on this list here, but Gears 5 just just did so much and just really tickled my fancy in so many different ways. I didn't expect it to. I didn't think it was possible even. So yeah, Gears 5, I'm going to have to vote for over Bastion. Where I like Bastion a lot, but Gears 5 just... Oh man, Gears 5 is just immaculate in a way where Bastion is also great. And, you know, a lot of people might even call it perfect. But just the engaging parts of Bastion, there's so many more of them in Gears 5 for me. So, Gears 5 is going to win this one, hands down. Who? Nidhogg versus Little Big Planet 2 for battle number 24. Nidhogg, 
I like that game. I appreciate that game. I think it's great. Um, it's just so Nidhogg is what it is. Nidhogg is that classical, just fencing sword fighting game. And not even to say that Nidhogg two is better because that's not even on this list. Um, I think Nidhogg one is definitely better, uh, but it's just very basic in what it is. And it is one thing at the end of the day, like it is a really great thing that, you know, leads to those like hype tournament type moments, just really edging your seat uh couch co-op gameplay love that about nidhogg i think that's wonderful but little big planet 2 is really special to me that made me a fan of not just not just Sackboy, but of uh media molecule themselves and there's at least one other game from them on here i'm sure and um just that game had such a big in- impact on me when i first played it that it would be this it would be disingenuous for me to say little big planet 2 Nah, not as good as Nidhogg, where Nidhogg is really that game because I have memories of it playing with friends and stuff, where Little Big Planet 2 is just like, okay, that game is fucking classical. And that's before, like, I'm talking just about the single player campaign. I thought that single player in Little Big Planet 2 was fucking amazing. Before you even get there, or don't even stop there, I mean, you could make anything. <laughs> Literally, they were like, this is a tool set for games, and it didn't really end up being that way because, you know, it was kind of trying to Frankenstein a platformer engine into being able to be other types of games. But Little Big Planet 2 was just revolutionary in so many ways to me and to the industry. So Little Big Planet 2 is going to win this one. The more the more I'm thinking about it, the more confident I am that yes, Little Big Planet 2 better than Nidhogg for me at least. Ooh, Battlefield 1 versus Jackbox Party Pack 5. Now we went through the same thing. We're going to open up a new tab box party pack five games i gotta remember which games were in which so three is the other one that i always ask about because i don't know so we're gonna have images of both of them up just so i know what the hell is going on and okay so jackbox party pack five had you don't know jack madverse city split the room zippledome and patently stupid okay so jackbox party pack five is the second best Jackbox Party Pack game they've ever made. Um, because Madverse City, um, absolutely love. I mean, it's just freestyle rapping against your friends, which I love. I love hip hop. I love hip hop culture and all that stuff. So that was actually, that's absolutely my shit. Love that. Patently Stupid, I really love that game too. But none of my friends ever want to present stuff, so we play it so rarely. Um, but yeah, these other games, I mean, Split the Room is pretty good. It's not the greatest, but it's pretty good. You don't know Jack, we literally never play. Same thing for Zeeple Dome. Um, so yeah, Jackbox Party Pack 5 has a lot of good shit going for it. Where, uh, here, let me make sure Streamlabs is still going, sorry. Just want to make sure, apologies. Um, Battlefield 1, I like, I like Battlefield 1 a lot. I actually don't have too much to say negatively. The thing I'll say negatively for Battlefield 1 is that the gameplay of the multiplayer isn't that engaging like that's what i'll say like multiplayer wise it's like okay this is a multiplayer actually no multiplayer was very engaging it's when you take out all of the xp earning all of the progression all of that stuff you take all of that out and you're left with just the uh you're left with just the uh what is it called oh god what did i do okay sorry we're good when you take out, oh, when you're playing the single player and the, it's literally just the combat, just the moment to moment of shooting dudes, 
that wasn't the most engaging. Now, it was made a lot more fun because I played through Battlefield 1 on the hardest campaign difficulty because um, I do want that platinum at some point. Um, but overall, Battlefield 1, it's just it was just really cool to get representation. That's one of those games where the representation in that game is what made me interested and what made me like that game. Um, where you got the Harlem Hellfighters on the cover of the box. You got um, the young lady who, who's in Arabia down there with Lawrence uh, playing as her was awesome. Um, a lot of that stuff about Battlefield 1, just the the difference in its characters and uh, just, you know, they just went to a lot of interesting places for World War One, where I really enjoyed that. And it forced them to think outside of the box a lot, having to deal with World War One. Everyone knows World War Two. Everyone knows, you know, all these other conflicts. World War One is a very rarely touched uh war in video games so i really appreciate that and the more i think about it i think i'm gonna have to vote for battlefield one over jackbox party pack five really what it comes down to is how much do i love madverse city and patently stupid where patently stupid i don't get to play enough for me to even really be on it like that so do i like madverse city more than i like battlefield one i really do like freestyle rapping but the more i think about it nah man battlefield one Ooh, ooh, that don't feel right. Ooh, nah, I felt something in my stomach when I was about to click Battlefield 1. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe Jackbox Party Pack 5 really is that game. Hmm. <laughs> Shiznit. Ah. Man, I really don't like this. I really don't like this this choice. This is a harder choice than I thought. How much do I like Madverse City, dude? I love getting off that because I had a really good game of Madverse City a couple weeks ago. And I'm just really high off that. So it's like, how much do I dig that versus like Battlefield 1's campaign? I just really like the representation of it, dude. I think I have to vote because mm, that's not fair. There's so much of Jackbox Party Pack 5 that I don't even interact with. So I feel like it's not fair because Battlefield 1, I've played pretty much every part of it. And I like it quite a bit. Where Jackbox Party Pack 5, I really love like two parts of it out of a five part game. I think it's better if I choose Battlefield 1. I think that's only fair. Which doesn't feel right, but we're doing it. Battle 26, Jackbox Party Pack 3 versus Battlefield 4. Now, this is a more easy fight. Battlefield 4 campaign was very boring to me. Don't care nothing about the campaign. It was just, you know, I played it. It's over now. Oh, the, the the multiplayer just had so many unlocks. This just it was just so the, Battlefield Four was just so rewarding in all aspects of it. That whole game was just immaculate. And yes, it was broken at launch, but I didn't play it at launch. I played it years later. So for me, Battlefield Four was absolutely incredible, absolutely amazing. I could put I could boot that game up right now and have a blast. Got all the DLC for it, which I didn't even pay for because that's the thing about Battlefield DLC. It goes free after a after waiting long enough um i didn't pay for any of the maps for um battlefield one i didn't pay for any of the maps for battlefield four um same thing for battlefield hardline didn't pay for any of that dlc so yeah i have a lot of fond memories in the multiplayer for battlefield four jackbox party pack three i mean thank god i looked up the games in it look over here dude i i i really don't be on gaspionage i know a lot of people like gaspionage but tko classic Mer trivia murder party Everyone loves it. Ain't my favorite, but everyone loves it. Um, Quiplash 2, instant classic. Faking it, instant classic. Oh my god, just almost an entire 
box of bangers right here with Jackbox Party Pack 3. Um, I just love all of those games so much. Like I said, with the exception of the Gespionage, but I know it's a good game. So I don't even feel too bad about, you know, not having too strong an opinion on it. Jackbox Party Pack 3, I've always said, one of the greatest party games of all time. Put anything else in there. You know, you got your Smash, you got your Mario Party, you got your Mario Kart. Better than all of them, <laughs> in my opinion. Um, you won't see any of those games on here, which says a lot about me. But um, yeah, Jackbox Party Pack 3 has the win over Battlefield 4. I love that multiplayer. Has nothing to do. Or has nothing on the couch co-op or the couch multiplayer of Jackbox. So yeah, we're going to hit it. Battle 27, Red Faction Guerrilla versus Comet Crash. Um, hmm. This one might be a little bit hard. Uh, Red Faction Guerrilla, everyone knows that's the uh, open world Mars game where the destruction of the environment is really what you play that game for. You can destroy every building um, and they just crumble down in some really specific detail. A destruction system that we haven't seen topped in any game after, what, almost 10 years now? That game's really old. Um, it was a last-gen game, so they remastered it, and there's still no other game that can satisfy that destructive tendency of Red Faction Guerrilla. Um, where Comet Crash is a very fun... Really, it's an RTS game, but it's more of a tower defense than anything else, where you play as a ship, and you, you're, you're just hovering over the, the... I guess your base, and then you're dropping different towers that kind of funnel the enemy ships in a certain path towards your base. And then... You have to use those turrets that you're using to funnel those uh, units to take out the enemy. Um, and then you're building other units to build your own uh, minions to go run over there to their thing. And then just brute force your way through all of their defenses. <laughs> excuse me. It's really fun. But the thing about it. Ooh, excuse me. God, I hope I don't get the hiccup suddenly. That would really suck for this. The thing about it, though, is that. Um, how do you say? The ship, <coughs> oh God, oh no, I felt the hiccup pulse. Oh God, not while I'm recording, that would suck. In any case, yeah, uh, you're playing as a ship and you get to collect asteroids are flying all over. So you collect asteroids and then you break the asteroids that gets you resources to, <coughs> oh, excuse me, to get more money, to keep upgrading yourself and all that stuff. Um yeah, it was just really awesome. And then that, that combination of running to get the asteroids to destroy destroy them in time. Fuck, I have the hiccups and I'm recording a podcast. F fuck me. God damn it. Oh, no. All right. Pardon me on the stream. Pardon. Oh, God. Mm. Oh, God, that one came up with a burp. I'm sorry. I'm going to pause the podcast recording right now boom all right now we're back apologies i'm recording this as a podcast as well um for those of you who are watching the stream but anyway back to this comet crash just really fun to collect those asteroids bring them over to your tower so they can shoot them destroy them then you upgrade your radius of how close you need to be to have the you know metal and stuff from the asteroids be zipped into you for resources um just a really fun loop i really enjoyed the gameplay of comic crash i was really addicted to that game and i was surprised how addicted i was considering i don't really do rts games and tower defense games there's actually quite a bit there's a handful of tower defense games i like but it's just something it's just a genre where i don't i'm never like 
oh, when's the new tower defense coming out? It's one of those games. It's one of those genres where when I'm playing and I'm like, oh, yeah, I forgot. I love this shit. Um, so, yeah, Comet Crash is really good. But Red Faction Gorilla is just better to me. Um, I, I, I do. I don't like games like Red Faction Gorilla in the fact that there are upgrading systems and currencies and stuff, but you don't get any of that from shooting actual enemies. The up the currency is from tearing down buildings and causing destruction, which I think is fine. I think it's cool. I think it's fun. It encourages the best aspect of Refaction Gorilla, the destruction. But I'd like something from killing enemies because you have to kill enemies. They are literally shooting at you and will kill you and bring your health to zero. So fighting back shouldn't feel like you're just pushing off the force that's coming for you. It should be a little bit more rewarding than that. Um, so yeah, that's that's my feeling on Refaction Gorilla um that's my main criticism but really i don't have too much negative to say on comic crash i don't have too much negative to say on red faction gorilla i just like red faction a little bit more i just had more fun with it i think that destruction tech is more impressive more fun to mess around with so yeah red faction gorilla wins um battle 28 enslaved odyssey to the west versus gotham city imposters um hmm this is a little bit difficult. Um, Enslaved Odyssey to the West, you know, great narrative, beautiful, gorgeous art design, cool characters, you know, just it was just a really fun adventure that you go on with Trip and Monkey. Um, really just really just a fun adventure. And, you know, we don't get too many great adventures like that in video games because a lot of games are like, oh, you got to save the world. The stakes are so much bigger in games usually where Enslaved Odyssey to the West. It was refreshing to have it just be these two people just trekking along where gotham city imposters i say this a lot or i don't say this a lot at all the thing i said about gotham city imposters in the last stream gotham city imposters is basically titanfall 2 light where the reason i like titanfall 2 is because of those move assistance because you can get anywhere on a map in so so fast so fluidly where gotham city imposters it's not about how fluid necessarily it is to get around. It's just a variety of ways to get around. Like they have, for people who don't know, Gotham City Imposters is a multiplayer shooter. You know, your your Call of Duty type thing. Um, it's, it, it plays nothing like Call of Duty, but it is your multiplayer arena shooter. But there's so many interesting ideas in it. It is called Gotham City Imposters, but it's, there's no, Batman's not in the game. Joker's not in the game. None of the main characters you know are in the game. All of their like all the like their fan clubs are. <laughs> so you have one team that is like the Joker fan club and they have like clown makeup and stuff, and you have the other team that's like, oh, we rep Batman, we like Batman, and so they're clashing, but they have different gadgets and all the weapons are wacky. Um they're like the weapons have the same archetype archetypes that you'd expect where oh they have they have the single shot rifle. They have the three burst rifle. They have the automatic rifle. They have the SMGs. They got they got the LMGs. They got the sniper rifles. But they're all a little bit interesting where they have an LMG in there where it just shoots like a bunch of, instead of it being like a traditional, like think like your, I don't know, think your typical LMG in a Call of Duty or a Battlefield game, anything like that. This one is like just a bunch of ball bearings. So when you are done shooting it, you just like get a ball of like metal steel balls and then just like feed them into the tube and then that's how you reload instead of like taking out a clip and actually using bullets um it's really interesting and then like the single shot rifle is like this old like 
like M1's grand gun that like completely sticks out like a sore thumb in this super vibrant hyper hyper stylized world. And then like I said about movement systems, you can you can put on a cape and if you go over an air vent, it'll shoot you up and then you can just glide to wherever you need to go on the map. Um they have a uh what is it? They have a grappling hook where you can literally just point to anywhere in the map and you'll just zip to that corner and you can't shoot while you have it out. So you have to like let go of the grappling hook drop from your point. So it's really just a way of like zipping from place to place rather than I'm going to stay in this corner and shoot people. Um, really cool stuff like that. Roller skates as well. They had little ramps that just let you jump over people. Um, just a lot of cool ideas in the multiplayer space from Gotham City Imposters. And I love that game a whole lot. But compared to Enslaved Odyssey to the West, Enslaved Odyssey to the West is, once again, we had a similar conversation with this earlier in the uh, stream slash podcast. Enslaved Odyssey to the West is one of those games where when I think back to it, I'm like, man, that game was great. Man, that combat was interesting. Man, that those characters are great. I think back to it fondly where Gotham City Imposters, when I was playing it, I was like, yo, this is one of the greatest games of all time. Like, for real. Like, I'm having so much fun. I was addicted to Gotham City Imposters for a long time. And while I was playing it, I was like, yo, this is really, this is on another fucking level. And it's free to play on PC if you want to go out and find it i god only knows if there's anyone playing matches on it now this thing came out in like 2012 or something but yeah gotham city imposters just excellent 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 and not just thinking back to it it's one of those games where during the moment i was like this is excellent so yeah Gotham city imposters over in slave Odyssey to the west battle 29 spec ups the line versus destiny 2 um this one's gonna be easy um i like destiny 2 a whole lot uh, i really enjoy the combat story was better in destiny 2 but I'm really here for that combat in Destiny 2. And I'm talking especially, especially when we get to uh when we get to when I got to it on PC, when I finally played it on PC. Oh my god, dude. Destiny 2 is amazing on PC. High frame rate and everything. Just perfect, perfect, perfect. Love Destiny 2. Com- combat wise so much. But Spec Ops the Line, man. I really it took me a while to remember that Spec Ops the Line, yes, we know the story is great. We know the characters are interesting. We know that Heart of Darkness aesthetic is really cool in Spec Ops Line. But gameplay wise, it was really fun too. Like I forgot like the slow motion headshots, the fact that it's it has like a little achievement counter in the corner to let you know when you're like, you know, close to getting a trophy or something like that, and it counts how many kills you have into it. Um that stuff was really fun too, to the point where that game was actually pretty fun to play um without the story. Um it would be a solid shooter nonetheless. And the story is just what makes it a classic. So, yeah, Spec Ops the Line, it has the good gameplay and the great story where Destiny 2 has the great gameplay and uh, it's okay story. So, yeah, Spec Ops the Line wins here. Ooh, Mafia 3 versus Portal 2. This is mm, this one might make people mad, but I've already talked about my quote unquote grievances with Portal 2. Uh, Portal 2 is just really similar to god of war by the time i played portal 2 it was just hyped up to all heaven and it there was no way it was going to meet those expectations of people just being like oh man one of the greatest games of all time uh just super hilarious and stuff some some of the humor didn't land with me in portal 2 where i don't think it was like bad or offensive it's just like i'm not laughing (laughs) where just some of it a lot of stuff still hit but just the things i remember about portal 2 are be like having such a good pace and just just having really just having a lot of fun with the puzzles and getting through it at a decent clip and then getting 
put ground to a halt with one of the puzzles to the point where I was like, okay, I need to look up a solution. And it was the only time I looked up a solution in the entire game. And it turns out it was like the second last puzzle. So it just made me really upset that, you know, I broke down and looked it up when I was so close to the end of the game. I could have just gone through the whole thing without doing that. And, you know, the ending, a lot of I, people talk about how crazy that ending is where, okay, it's not that crazy. So that that's just me personally. Um, where I thought it was a cool ending, but it's not like, holy shit. It's just like, oh, wow. So, yeah, Portal 2, I'm kind of mid on. Mafia 3, we, we said this with Assassin's Creed Origins. So few games about, so few games include black characters. Even fewer games are about black characters. And Mafia 3 is probably the only game that is about the character's blackness. Like, yes, it's about getting revenge on, you know, the, the mob boss that did you wrong and all that stuff. But uh, Lincoln Clay, his race is a factor in that story in a very substantial way, which I appreciate it. And not just a factor in the story, a factor in the gameplay as well. The cops literally treat you differently because you're black um, and you feel it in the gameplay at times. I love that game so much, and I know there's problems. I know people don't like the rep- the repetitious nature of it. I know people, you know, it was a little bit glitchy when it came out. You know, all the complaints I've heard about Mafia 3, but I think what it does strongly, what it does well, what it does in a unique way is so special that I like it more than Portal 2. Um, so, yeah, Mafia 3 over Portal 2. Battle number 31, Darksiders 2 versus Portal 1. Huh. All right. Interesting. Um portal portal one is really where i think the hype lived up to it where i played portal one pretty late i finally got a computer that could play it so it just took me a while to be able to even get to it um played it and i was like all right by that time cake is a lie knew the whole meme knew the song at the end all that stuff was was not a surprise to me but really it it was just like it was a delightful little thing it was one of those things where Oh, this. Oh, okay. This puzzle's cool. Oh, this mechanic's neat. Oh, that's that's really cool. How they're using the portal gun that way. Oh, wait. It's it's like that that twist of Glados, you know, turning and being evil, which I think we all know now. Um, that was a really crazy, compelling twist to me. Not like where it broke my whole brain and redefined games for me, but it was just like, a, oh wow, okay, I've never seen that done yet. And it was just a lot of little delights that made Portal One very pleasant for me. Or Darksiders 2. Ugh. Darksiders 2 is just so good, man. Darksiders 2 is what made me a bona fide fan of the series. Where Darksiders 1, I was like, yo, this is pretty great. Darksiders 2, I was like, this is my fucking shit. <laughs> Where narratively, can't really speak too much about it. Narratively, it's like... Narratively, it's like it happened. Yeah, Def did some things. He killed some people. He completed some quests and blah, blah, blah. But gameplay-wise, Darksiders 2 is everything I want in games. Like you know, just really agile. It's all about dodging, getting out of the way at the right time, having good timing when it comes to that stuff. Um, just the damage numbers pop up on the enemies, you know, really good combos, really chunky punches and slashes and stuff like that. Using your other alternate abilities while you're playing, um, just ways to, you can spec yourself into different builds to where you use different abilities that like can regenerate health or regenerate like mana, which is like how you use your of special abilities anyway um just really diverse options there um the loot system the diablo like loot system where it's like okay which which weapon is stronger i i love digging into those stats and everything 
Um, and I loved it even more back in the day. Um, and it combined that with like the, the Zelda dungeons where you're walking around, you're climbing, you're swinging, you're solving puzzles, all that stuff, man. I absolutely loved all of it. Um, so yeah, even though the narrative of Portal 1, or I'm not even going to compare it to Portal right now, even though the narrative of Darksiders 2 left some things to be desired, not to say it was bad, it's just like it wasn't a classic to me. I still think the uh, Darksiders 2 has a lot more going for it than Portal 1 does. So yeah, Darksiders 2 it is. Oh god, it feels weird to click it, but I'm hitting it. Whew, okay. We're at 9% sorted. Like I said, we're going to stop um, when we get to 10%, um, but it's not going to take that long, hopefully. Um, so yeah, Battle 32, Fear 2 Project Origin versus Costume Quest. Um, I like Fear 2 Project Origin a whole lot. You know, one of my favorite first-person shooters of last generation. Um, very, just really good, chunky combat. Uh you know, once again, another hyper violent game, but that violence improved the combat. And it is a it's a horror game as well. Um, and the horror really freaked me the fuck out when it when it tried to be a horror game. It's not a horror game all the way through. Um, just to say that's not consistent with trying to scare you. But when it does, it really is freaky. Um, just the ghost in that game. I've never seen ghosts in a game be used as effectively as they are in Fear 2. It's just very much like like the fact that you can barely see them and sometimes i didn't even know they were there until my until my uh my crosshairs turned red and it's like oh shit there's something there i gotta shoot like oh man that was always fun um or i shouldn't say fun terrifying compelling compelling is a good word for it um but costume quest is very cute very fun very charming really it's a turn-based game which i don't really do turn-based turn-based combat much at all I just don't do that rarely. I just don't do it often at all. Uh, but Costume Quest made it fun. Um, and just the aesthetic in the world and those little kids, I think, are really cute. I, I just think everything about that game is pleasant and delightful to play. So I like Costume Quest a whole lot. But Fear 2, man. The aesthetics and stuff of Fear 2, I really don't care about. I do like the ending. The ending kind of fucks me up because I didn't really understand what was going on there until I thought about it. And then I wasn't, even when I came to my own conclusion on the ending, I wasn't sure that actually happened until I saw like a, like one of those like, oh, I, years later type videos where they're like, oh, this game that I loved, I played it again, like a decade later. Let's see what I think now. I watched one of those on Fear 2 and it straight up said what happened. I was like, oh shit. So that is what happened. That's fucking crazy. Um, so yeah, Fear 2 Project Origin. Um, I like a lot. I like one of the, yeah, I like it more than Costume Quest. I respect Costume Quest and everything, but I like Fear 2 Project Origin. That's where it's at, man. So let's go ahead and hit that. Half-Life 2 versus Devil May Cry 5. This might make some people mad, but I stand by it, man. Half-Life 2, you know, great first-person shooter. Uh, awesome combat. You know, Gravity Gun, one of the greatest innovations in games of all time. Love all that stuff. But <laughs> Devil May Cry 5, just the stuff I like in, or I'm not even going to say the stuff I like in video games Devil May Cry 5 has, because, you know, it's still good. Um, it, It's still good. Devil May Cry 5 doesn't have all the stuff I like in games, but it has enough. It has those strong characters. It has so many, like, Nico and Devil May Cry 5, I've never been attracted to a fictional character more <laughs> than I have been to Nico and Devil May Cry 5. 
I don't know what to tell you. I'm just keep it real. That's how I feel. Um, Dante is also incredibly handsome. I don't understand it. Um, v, why are his lips so soft? I don't get it. Um, just all these characters are just just such. There's so much horny energy in Devil May Cry Five that I just appreciated a whole lot. But on top of that, combat, gameplay, all that stuff's great. Um, uh, what is his name? Not not Virgil's not there. Um, the other guy. The main guy, the guy who is, is missing his arm, so he uses a whole bunch of different robot arms and stuff. Um, his combat, I was like iffy on because, you know, his options, his gameplay options didn't feel as diverse to me. Um, v, I just like him because, you know, he's a beast master. He doesn't get into direct conflict. He just lets his minions fight for him and you play as the minions. Um, I like that a whole lot. That system is really fun um, where you're controlling both him and the minions at the same time. And it, it's compelling somehow. Um, I really dug that stuff where but Dante, though, Dante having the different weapons you can switch up to with the different stances for each weapon. Like, that's just a master class in action combat design. His character is just phenomenal. Love that so much. Um, but overall, yeah, Devil May Cry 5 wins. <laughs> There's not even a contest. Devil May Cry 5 is that fucking game. So, yeah, we're, we're choosing that over Half-Life 2. All right, battle number 34, binary domain versus a short hike. Um, mm, this was interesting. These are both like mid to lower tier games that I think about. Um, a short hike I really enjoyed. Uh, indie game, I think I wrapped it up in literally like 90 minutes. It's very, very short. And when I say wrapped it up, I don't mean I beat it in 90 minutes. I beat it in like an hour and then played for 30 more minutes to like collect more of the collectibles. It's just a really delightful little game. Gives me vibes close to uh, Costume Quest, where it's very cute, very adorable, very just like not intensive and just it's just very relaxing to be in that world. But it's a little bit more heavy, not to say that like, oh, man, characters die and stuff. It's just like dealing with some real life shit that you really don't expect from a game that looks like it. Um, But, you know, cute art style, all that stuff. Very fun. It's about climbing and gliding and stuff, but that mechanic is very fun like still um it's a short hike is just a great game all around despite its length and its size it's just a fun it's just a fun thing um and a well-made thing up with that as well binary domain is insanity like it's a gears of war clone you know get behind cover shoot stuff but you're fighting robots so you can shoot different parts of the robots that lead to different things happening you want to drop their gun shoot their arm off you want them to be immobilized, shoot their legs, and then they'll crawl towards you. Um, shoot their head, and they die. Um, which is obvious. Um, yeah, it was really cool just messing with those combat options. But like the characters, like all your squad mates, have really big, bombastic personalities. And just seeing them interact with each other through the squad commands, through the cutscenes, through the crazy, crazy, insane endings that you could get at Binary Domain. Because every character had, like, here's where they are now, or here's what's happening with them now. Um, All of that was just super awesome. Super just... Just that game is just so silly. And it's over the top, too. Some really cool set pieces as well. It's just so over the top that it's endearing. And I know some of the people, or at least one of the people, behind Binary Domain is one of the creators of Yakuza, or just someone who works on that franchise. And it makes me think I would love Yakuza if it has a similar tone to Binary Domain. But yeah, Binary Domain is just super special to me. Um, hmm. And I'm, I think because of that, 
I think there's more to like in binary no in binary domains gameplay than there is to like in a short hikes gameplay where binary domain took a long time to beat but binary domain never outstayed its welcome despite having a long a much much longer runtime than a short hike hmm it's just really hard i don't know if i don't know what to prioritize here graphically binary domain was pretty pretty as well short hike was you know very lo-fi you know not 8-bit but you can definitely see the pixels in the game on purpose by design um that art this that art style was fine binary domain a short hike this is actually these are very very equally matched and i'm not gonna hit like both because i'm not a coward and i want to sort this thing properly binary domain uh binary domain has to get it just for the uh, nah i'm still thinking about it man i think a short hike patched so much good stuff in such a small package and in such a quick package that it's really remarkable where binary domain i'm not remembering the lulls of that game i'm not remembering the bad parts but because it's a longer experience i'm sure they are there like i only have good memories left but there wasn't a single moment in a short hike where i was like all right i, I want to stop playing all right i'm not having fun all right this is lame like it was so like it was quick to get to the next morsel of good so I think I'm going to put a short hike above Binary Domain, which feels wrong, but Binary Domain will get its day in the sun. Ooh, ooh. Okay, we're now at 10% shorted. What we're going to do is we're going to play through the rest of 10%, and then we're going to get to 11% and stop as soon as we trigger that. Um, or actually, no. That's not exactly how this works. One, two, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. So should we do ten? Because right now it's at ten percent shorted. So if I do this, it's going to be ten point something shorted. Then ten point something shorted until it pops up eleven, and then we will have done eleven percent shorted. Should I stop here now? Actually, this is a good one to come back to. Yeah, we'll we'll stop here now. Dear God, help me. Do not reset my computer because that's that's actually why we're here. That's actually why we redid this whole thing. We're going to pray that my computer does not get reset. We're going to pray that this whole fucking thing doesn't kill itself again. And I have to do this sorting and this list all over again. I, I will cry if that happens. Hopefully it doesn't happen. You know what? Let's let's double check our Great Suspender. Yeah, this site is whitelisted. The Great Suspender, basically, like if a page is open too long, it'll just put it to sleep so it's not taking up resources. I have it whitelisted on this site, so it will not do that to this. We're going to come back to this. Um, and I think we're making some decent progress. We're at 10%. We've only been streaming for an hour and 40 minutes. This segment is only going to be roughly that time uh, for you guys listening over at VGU.TV. Um, but yeah, we're going to come back to this. It's been 35 battles. We'll probably... I feel like this is maybe going to take 300 battles total. If this, if this is 10%, it might take about 350 battles. And we did 350 battles just to get to 40% last time. So yeah, this this battle is going to be good. I'm not going to say what they are. I'll say what they are on the next one. But um, if, you, if you've been streaming, um, thank you for watching. I'll be streaming this a little bit more later in the week. We're going to try and get this done. We're definitely going to get all these done by the end of the month. My goal is to get it done, I don't know, a little bit more than a week. I don't think I'll stream every single night, but I'll stream most nights. Um, but we're, we're definitely going to run through this. I'll probably stream some more tomorrow for those of you listening. But if you're listening to this as a podcast, 
you guys will get episodes of this. I haven't decided an interval that I will do it at. Um, you guys will you guys will hear that soon, I'm sure. But you will got you guys will get instead of it being attached to the Players Club podcast, it will just be its own podcast. Um, this is going to be the part one of Emmett Emmett Watkins Jr. decides his favorite 100 games of all time. It, this is going to be part one. It will be attached to Players Club podcast. Part two will come out as its own thing and then so on and so forth. I think we'll just keep this cadence of 10% every episode um, and then we'll stop it and come back. Um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll just do that for now. I'm going to go ahead and uh, stop streaming, stop recording. I'm going to go ahead and uh, for those of you listening to the podcast, I'm going to go ahead and pitch it back to Emmett right now. And for those of you streaming, I'm going to wrap it up. <laughs> Thank you guys for watching. Thank you guys for uh, uh, just being here. If you were watching the stream and I will see you all in the next one. And as I always say in everything I do here um, on the Internet, uh, keep it real. Keep it real. Adios, y'all.